Welcome to the first official episode, I would say, of Busy Memoir. The last video was just kind of an intro, which I think is standard, so not as exciting perhaps, but today I actually have some content to get into. It's been a busy week or two, I think that's how long it's been since I posted the intro, with a bunch of random things to talk about, so I'm fine with them not necessarily being in a theme. I just have some things to say. And the first thing that I want to say is people are so amazing. I have met with so many people over the past couple of weeks. So many people have reached out. A lot of people are being supportive on LinkedIn, which, you know, I guess is kind of a pseudo sort of, um, not community, but like pseudo friendships in a way, because you don't really know all of these people closely, but your acquaintances that you've met online or you've seen their content and you're a big fan. And I totally think that counts. Support is support and especially when you're starting business and finding that any level of encouragement is nice and helps keep you going and makes you feel like you are being productive and making progress. And the outpouring of love has just been amazing. And I think that when things seem so divided sometimes or you work out of your house and you don't have a people around you every single day uh, and especially with me being in Austin I've been here a little over a year and I you know I don't have a bunch of friends yet working on it but um, it's just so nice to feel this community and to have people show up for you and have people so excited and interested and you're swapping stories and tips and I just love it. It's really filling my cup and I just want to keep doing it. So if you want to chat, reach out. It does not have to have any kind of, um, you know, deal attached to it. I just love talking to people and hearing from you and I always think there's something to learn. So with all of that said though, if you are starting a business, you have a business, you even work for someone else, I would say be open to networking and meeting with people. Like I said, even if there's not necessarily a deal attached, I think it's so valuable and ultimately in some ways will pay dividends and you know, you may run into a person five years from now or three years from now or six months from now and they'll know you and it could turn into a deal or maybe they introduce you to someone else. Uh, so take meetings. I feel like some people might think it's a waste of time or not productive, if it's not gonna maybe lead to a deal right away. I don't know y'all, I'm, I'm very into it. And especially if your cup is a little bit empty and you feel disconnected or like you don't have a community, this has really helped me and it's really jazzing me up and gives me faith in humanity when sometimes I think I lose it a little bit. So take meetings, meet people, get out there. And on that note, I'm always, or I have been for a while, like anti going into the office. I love working from home. And lately I've pushed myself outside of my box to get out of my house, to dress up, to have to look put together a little bit more and go out and actually attend networking events or um, just different kinds of events in Austin. I'm very thankful that I'm here in this city because there is a lot going on. There is a big tech community, of course. There's always events going on. And so I have a lot to choose from, I feel like, where I'm originally from Indiana and the Midwest, and there's not you know, nearly as much going on. 
on this front. It's not really known for its tech community, um, but it's great. So get out if you're weary about going out uh, from your house. Just do it, try it at least once. I really think you'll be surprised at how much you enjoy it. And I know after COVID, the first couple of times I went out, I was like, I don't think I remember how to talk to people in person or have this much um, kind of presence and energy because it is just so different from working online and having online meetings, but get into it and, and just try it out. It has been, again, something that really fills my cup, is energizing, has a sense of community, and I'm just meeting so many people that are good to have connections with, um, that you know could later connect me with other people, or I'm just getting ideas, I don't know, it's, it's awesome. So talk to people, connect with people. It's, it's seriously amazing. Uh, next, I wanna talk about Something that I'm finding is a common theme among others starting a business or, um, you know, have maybe been in it for a couple weeks or months, but I, I think this theme resonates where for me, I've never had a problem knowing what to prioritize, what to work on when, what to cut out, uh, what to do. And I am struggling with that, I think, for the first time in my entire life because there's so many things to do all the time, so many things you can be doing, you want to spend the time most optimally that you have in your workday, and I don't like to waste time, so you're like, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a risk if I do this or this, or if I dump a bunch of effort and time over here, is it gonna pay off? And your sales, marketing, services, HR, finance, all the things. And so also one day you might be like, okay, today is the day I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. And then your day turns into something totally different, which is fine most of the time, but you just, you have to go with the flow and I'm almost having a little bit of um, choice paralysis just because like I said, there are so many things. So I think it's, a time where you have to have grace for yourself and realize that there's an adjustment period to working for yourself and working as a team of one and you owning everything in your own time. And so that's my logic anyways. We'll see if that plays out over time and you know if this adjustment period ends, but I'm just trying to have grace for myself. I felt very alone in this. I was like, oh my gosh, am I doing it wrong? Am I the only one? I've never had this problem. I've never had, um, maybe some procrastination on some things like this because like I said, choice paralysis, but I've talked to a couple of folks over the past couple of weeks and they've echoed my sentiments and very much relate. So like I said, this is kind of what's making me think it's just a phase and an adjustment period, fingers crossed. Um, or I just need to drink more coffee, <laughs> like focus maybe, I don't know. But if that resonates with you, I would say keep your head up, give yourself grace, know that you're not alone and that others feel this as well, which I found to be a big relief and help give myself more grace because of that. So uh, the next thing that I wanna chat about is a recent experience that I had in town. I'm looking potentially to trade in my car for something else. This lighting with this window, by the way, I need to fix that. Uh, but I was in town, I'm looking to possibly trade in my car 
And so, you know, in-person experiences are obviously important, just like we think about digital experiences. And it's kind of a similar thing where you get led through a process, you have someone guiding you, someone that you're working with, you have certain expectations for the experience, and it was so poor. I did not like it. I have been in a couple of times and I don't like car dealerships anyways. I absolutely hate going into them. I despise it. And I, you know, I expect to feel that way. So it's never surprising. But I think I always have this part of me where maybe I should turn my camera this. Maybe the lighting really needs to uh, be fixed but I guess I always have a, a hope inside of me like oh this time it will be better this time you know they're gonna get it and I'm not gonna hate it as much but from like the moment of driving up I just had this ick inside and like oh I don't feel like they're very welcoming and I always feel like I'm gonna get screwed over and I don't know so I go inside the front desk folks were very lovely and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll be surprised this time actually. And um, it was just, just lovely. So, you know, kind of step one, check. They guided me to the right place. First impression was great. And then they connected me with the salesperson and that's where it started to go downhill. Again, not surprising. And just had a very smug attitude. I was not a fan of their tone. Uh, I did not feel very welcomed. And I told the person what I was interested in looking at, what I was doing there, what I was hoping to get out of it. I had never test driven these cars before or ridden in one or been in one or seen the inside. I wasn't really familiar with all of the models. And so, you know, as you would expect, you're like, okay, well, I would love to test drive this, this, and this. I would love to compare them and see the insides. And this person was very much giving me the, the kind of vibe that they didn't want to pull up the cars. They didn't really want to help me that much. They didn't really want to go on test drives. And I was, you know, thinking about test driving one or two or maybe three just because it's a big deal. Car purchases are, you know, not some small thing. And I just did not have a good feeling about it. I was very bummed because I was excited to go in. I've always been interested in these cars, not always, but for a while. And I was just so excited to test drive one. And finally I had gotten the gumption to go in because I had to talk myself into it because this is how much I hate going. And so it was just a real letdown. But ultimately I kind of stood my ground. I got to go on a test drive. This person pulled up two models for me. And even when I was looking at them, I just was not a fan of how it was going. When I was test driving, I felt rushed and um, just not really taken seriously. And so then I got, you know, some quotes and whatever as you do. And just I, the experience of being led through this whole thing really turned me off. And so I left that day, but I just am so interested in these cars. You know, of course, I'm not going to give up. So went back a couple days later and saw some inventory online. So again, you know, we're having multiple touch points. Went back in, looked at that car, test drove that one. Uh, I took my husband with me that time, which to me makes me feel better in these situations. 
and um, he's a better negotiator in these situations. So, um, but even then, you know, he's still not the best experience. This person, even on a totally different day, had a smug uh, attitude, very um, off-putting tone. You know, so I was like, oh, maybe the other day he just kind of had a bad day. I, I get that. But just same, same vibe again and gave us new quotes and just felt like it was kind of shady. And so anyways, this is a long, maybe drawn out story to say experience just really matters and customers are what keep the door open every day. It's how you pay your bills. It's how you get paid. Um, and I just am always flabbergasted at companies or people that don't put a huge focus on it and really just take the time to care about the experience and how people are feeling and you know wanting to do everything in their power to make it as good as possible so that not only do you want to buy one time but you want to come back and you want to refer people and you want to share with your friends and talk about it and uh, it's just so surprising and honestly I came home and I was like, the bar is so low to improve the car buying experience. Granted, I know there are things like Carvana and different ways of going about car buying these days are like Tesla where they've turned into e-com, which is so fascinating to me and I just love Tesla and what they're doing. Um, but still the bar is very low for the traditional car buying experience. And you would think this is so obvious and that it's really easy to just even do small things to level it up and make yourself better. But just every time I'm just, it's so disappointing. So I just wanted to share that because I think there's a conception uh, that in today's world, this is obvious and there's a focus on it. And especially like bigger brands have their um, you know stuff together and that's just not true <laughs> unfortunately in as many cases as you would think and not just in person of course because that's not really my focus uh, but you know it, it absolutely kind of transfers to the digital space where that is true as well where you think these brands will have their stuff together and just more often than not I would say they don't and so, you know, we have these conversations or I, I do kind of over and over around foundations and fundamentals. And when I think about content production and what I want to be talking about, of course, it's fun to talk about the more advanced things and to try and be an innovator and, you know, think that the industry is kind of at a, a higher level. But honestly, I it's not, it's not where you think it would be. And so I, you know, I just kind of have no problem still, I guess, talking about these foundational things and, and trying to even get people to pay attention to customer and digital experiences more and thinking about these concepts and especially relative to user research and talking to customers and doing experimentation and trying to validate decisions and not just guessing on things. Um, and you know, it's trying to get people on board with this and to take steps to make progress and to try and, and change things more. And 
it's all still, you know, very much in motion. And this actually is a great segue into one of my other points that I wanted to talk about, which is so many people still have no idea what I'm doing and what these terms mean and what the industry is. And it's actually still quite small. For example, in Austin, I went to a networking event recently, I had a lot of great conversations with folks. And, you know, of course, they're like, what do you do? Where are you from? What are you focusing on? And the main things that I say are user research and customer or, or excuse me, user research and experimentation. And I want to say dang near every time I always get the follow up question. What is that? What do you mean by user research? What do you experiment on? Uh, and to me, I've been in it for so long and you know, it's been my focus and usually the folks that I'm talking to, even if they don't have really any idea about what I'm doing, they at least are familiar with the terms user research and experimentation, where if I say those, that's the jumping point where I'm finding that a lot of these conversations, oh my gosh, this lighting is just so irritating right now. It's so bad. I've got to fix this y'all just ignore it. My face looks like a ghost, but, um, a lot of the jumping points for these conversations have, have been a step back and like, what even is user research? I guess you could argue the there's a question of like, what is a user on what? Uh, and so then you throw out all of these tools and all of these methodologies and where you even say the word methodology and people are like, well, what is a methodology? <laughs> what does that mean? And so again, you just really, I, I guess I really like again to think that the industry is more mature than it is. And so, you know, these foundational concepts, we just hammer away, keep going, keep talking about it, keep evangelizing what these things mean and keep trying to elevate everyone. And it's just been really surprising because of course, you know, when I talk to my family or my friends and I say what I'm doing, they're not in the space. I get it that they don't know what I'm doing. I get that it's complicated sometimes. And, uh, you know, that they think I'm in it or whatever, like fine. Uh, eventually I just give up and I'm like, oh, I work on, you know, what websites or the apps that you're using, whatever, uh, make businesses more money and understand things better. But for people in the industry, these people I'm talking to, they're in tech, they're in product development, they're launching SaaS companies, they're people that you would assume at least know the terms user research and experimentation to some extent, but I'm finding that they haven't or they, they don't. And I'm just like, my head just explodes. Um, and even with like product market fit in developing products, I had someone talk me through their process the other day and I was like, oh, that's so backwards. Like we need to talk about the order of these things. You need to do some research like now, please don't wait, you know, six months or a year. Don't develop all of these things and then go do it. I just, ugh. so there's a lot of work still to be done around all of this, which is motivating, right? Because it's what I have dedicated my entire career to. It's what I get excited about and passionate about. Uh, 
and you know kind of one reason that I stay in this industry and have picked it uh, but I don't know it just I, I guess that keeps it interesting where you're <laughs> just surprised still a lot of the time so anyways take that for what it's worth uh, and the next thing that I want to say which I guess is another segue is that I have found when I'm doing ideation or trying to be creative Stepping away from my desk is actually, I'm turning the camera more this way because the lighting is less terrible. Uh, stepping away from my desk is actually sometimes more productive than sitting at my desk, which you might not think. Um, taking walks in silence, taking walks, listening to podcasts around business. Um, I know I've posted on LinkedIn shower thoughts. <laughs> Um, you know, thoughts laying in bed at night, unfortunately, is some of my best stuff. Uh, or, you know, while I'm kind of watching TV and thinking about other things. So I think I at least have this thought in my head that in order for me to be working or for time to count as work time, I must be at my desk, chained to my desk, don't get up, you know, I have to be looking at my computer doing something in my office and I just don't, that's not true. That's not true. It's not the case. Um, or even going off, you know, like reading books at the library or reading books in my living room, reading books outside, like all of that is technically work. And sometimes I actually find that sitting at my desk and being in my office is restrictive and it is difficult to think sometimes. And so I'm trying to stop feeling guilty or, you know, question myself if I do step away from my desk and realizing that that's completely acceptable and that, um, you know, I'm, I'm still working and getting in the time. So think about that, especially if you're struggling to come up with solutions to something or you have a roadblock or maybe you're trying to write something and you have writer's block, go step away. Um, you know, go, go try something different, try a different strategy. Uh, cause you know, clearly, if you're still stuck or struggling or you don't like what you're coming up with so far, like maybe your, you know, your current situation or what, where you're strategizing and where you're working isn't the most conducive uh, spot. So something to think about. The next thing that I want to talk about is maybe not totally related to anything so far, something new pivoting, but I want to say, that I had the thought, which is, is not a new thought, I've had it in the past, but something I wanna bring up is that some hires are really just set up for failure right out of the gate, unfortunately, which is such a bummer. I always feel so, so bad for these people, um, you know, and whether they knew that or not when they took the job, whether they asked the right questions in the interview, whether they thought that they, could be the one to, you know, kind of overcome whatever they're facing that's probably not fixable or solvable, which, you know, I commend you. I'm stubborn as well and like a good challenge. But some people really are just set up to, to not be in a good position. Maybe not for failure. That might be a little bit harsh. But you're just like, dang, you know, that's so unfair. And, you know, maybe the people hiring, the hiring manager or the HR person, the higher-ups, you know, Obviously, they might not know that they're setting this person up for failure or maybe they just 
don't care. They think that this person is a silver bullet and can overcome anything. But really, that's the specific thing that I'm thinking about that I've seen a lot is people will get hired by, you know, higher ups, by a, a marketing manager or, um, you know, just, just someone in the order on, onto a particular team. And they're tasked with set up an experimentation program, set up user research. Um, and particularly around experimentation, I had a, I, I actually just, I've had this conversation so many times where people think that it is subjective on, you know, if you can do experimentation, how fast you can run, what your velocity can be, where you can test, how you can test, when you can test. And it's not subjective really. I mean, to an extent, it's an art and science, right? It's complicated. There are a lot of things that go into it. But one of the things that's left out so often is data volume and pretest calculations and looking at these things in advance. And so, you know, whether it's a sales process where someone's trying to sell a tool to a company or like a, you know, marketing manager getting hired and the director of the e-com team or something is tasking this person to stand up the experimentation program and, and then maybe getting the tool where they're working with a salesperson. It's not a situation where any business in the world with anything going on can experiment and test. That's just not true. And there are some people that think that and approach it that way. And on top of that, they're sometimes even layering on their own processes and their own systems and just a very subjective, like this is how I personally do it. There is some level of that in this work. Like I said, it's an art science. I say that all the time. Don't get me wrong. But also there are um, things that are not really subjective very much or at all in processes that aren't optional or aren't really changeable based on your own personal preferences or whatever. Or, you know, maybe you're trying to be novel and repackage something for um, you know, marketing and you're trying to seem interesting and like you have the hottest stuff out there. And sometimes it's just, you know, it can, can lead to a place that's, like I said, just kind of made up stuff or just not really the status quo or, or kind of the, the best practice. I don't know. I don't like those words very much, but for lack of better ones right now. So anyways, like I, you know, I was talking to a team and they're like, we're tasked with standing up an experimentation program. It's the focus of the year. There's a lot of expectations around growing through this. And that's amazing if you have the data volume, if you can test. And they weren't kind of aware of this, this concept of data volume and, and um, calculations and looking at it beforehand. Granted, you know, they're not perfect. You take them with a grain of salt, whatever. But ultimately, I was like, you're not in a place to test right now, unfortunately. Here are some factors that have to change. Here are some levers that you can pull. We can revisit this perhaps in a couple of months or next year, but you really need to kind of level set with the organization on what you're able to do and not able to do for that matter. Um, and we need to change this conversation around what we can do, which is entirely different, related, but different. And, you know, granted, this is not this only person's task, kind of like I was saying, to make a point, I suppose. Um, but sometimes it is, but whatever. But, you know, still, it's just, like, you're, you're already starting out in a bad place 
um, you know, being tasked with things that you're just set up to not succeed. And some teams, they, they don't catch this at the beginning of the endeavor, which is more unfortunate. And they get down the road six months and they're like, you know, what the hell? We've been doing all the things. We're experimenting. We've had tests going. We have the platform, but nothing is performing. We can't get lifts. We can't get significance. Uh, we have no processes. Our team is kind of a mess around it. And so it just, yeah, it's just, again, like the industry and business are very much at this foundational level. From what I have seen, more than the advanced level that, you know, everyone might think. So, I don't know. It's just, it bumps me out when I, when I run into those situations. And, um, you know, I'm always glad that I can help people kind of reset. But uh, it just gets to me sometimes. And... I think the last couple of things that I want to talk about in this episode are relative to what kind of wins you acknowledge. Like I said, as everyone knows, it's hard to start a business. I'm constantly wondering if I'm doing the right things, if I'm making enough progress, are my expectations appropriate? And on my website, I have a place for email subscribers. And I, like I said, I posted my intro video for this podcast last week. And I always set my expectations a little bit lower sometimes. Actually, always, that's too absolute. I actually usually have very high expectations. I don't know why I said that. Um, But for this stuff, I'm just starting out, right? Like I'm trying to build an audience. So I had low expectations for this. And so for my email subscriber list, fully transparently, I have two subscribers right now. The last time I checked earlier this week, one is my dad. but one is for real, one is legit, one is, um, you know, someone I don't know. And so I was stoked. <laughs> I don't know if that's good, um, but I was happy even though one is my dad. Thanks dad, I appreciate your support. Um, but someone saw it and, and you know, people are looking at my website and, and that's exciting. I've only had this business live and out into the world for about four weeks, I think it's been. so. Um, you know, is, is that a really low bar maybe, but, uh, just excited to get anything. And then the video, the intro video for this, the last time I checked, I had 48 views in 11 days. Granted, I'm sure some are my family, some are me maybe. Um, but that's fine. Like I was excited. My expectation for that was super low. I was like, Oh, if I get five views or if I get 10 views, amazing. I'll be so thrilled. But, um, I don't know. I think just again, grace and realize things are gonna take time. You have to start somewhere. If you don't start at all, it's obviously never going to happen, which is my philosophy on a lot of this. And, you know, if it doesn't end up working out, if you give me some time, fine. Just, you know, do something else and pivot, but have some grace. Don't overlook smaller wins um, because it's hard, it's hard. And you gotta gotta kind of keep yourself going and, just, I think any progress is great and better than not, not having any, I guess. I'm just, every week I'm like, as long as I have progress, I think that's what matters most. So, um, yeah, that's it for this episode. DM me or email me or reach out if you have questions or want to chat. I would love to hear from you. Go check out my website, mytrippy.com. My email is Haley at mytrippy.com. 
again, I'll have some cadence and, and plan for this podcast. Right now it's a little bit ad hoc as I have lists of things to talk about. But thanks for listening. See you next time.